The series we're in is called Shift. The heart and the soul of this series is to get our lives to shift out of neutral, to shift out of park, to get out of the place where we are getting um, out, we're getting out of the norm and we're getting out of the place where, you know, in the, when you're driving a manual, you could just throw it in neutral and the car will, will roll, roll whichever direction uh, gravity takes it. But what, what we don't want to do is just kind of matriculate through this life. We want our lives to shift in the gear and to begin to f- go after that which God has in store for his people. We want to see God do a work and we, we want to see God do a fresh move in us. And we want our lives to get out of the place where life just happens and church just happens. We want to see God do a massive shift in our lives. And so I'm looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And as good stewards of God's, God's very grace, whoever speaks as one who, uh, who speaks as oracles of God, uh, who serves as one who serves with the strength that God supplies in order that everything, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Again, as each has received a gift, use it. Circle that word use. If you've got a gift, use it. It doesn't say if you've got a gift, sit neutral. If you've got a gift, get into first gear. Get into second gear. Get yourself into third gear. Hit the nitrous. Do something about it. And if you've got the ability to speak, use it. If you've got the ability to serve, use it. Why? Not that your name is glorified, but that in Christ, he is glorified. To him be the dominion, the honor, and the glory forever. If I seem very distracted today, my reading, it's because I just saw those notes before I walked up here. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask you that you would help us today. Give this pastor some focus. Put our hearts in a place where we can receive from you. I ask that you would just shift our thinking that we would never be a passive church or in terms of our personal relationship with you, that we would be passive in our relationship with you. I ask that we would be driven to follow you, driven to make decisions to change our lives, become more like you, God, and driven to see a world encounter your presence, that we would see this world revived with your Holy Spirit. So Lord, we speak, servant, Lord, we say to you, these servants, us, your servants, speak, your servants are listening. We're ready to receive and we are ready to obey. Help us today, Lord, in your name we pray, amen. I don't know if anybody likes the Olympics. The Olympics, the 2020 Olympics are happening next month, 2021. I love the Olympics and I've been looking forward to the Summer Olympics, uh, these Summer Olympics specifically because it's the first time climbing is used as a medal round or as a a medaled event. So I'm stoked that rock climbing is a part of the Summer Olympics. I love the Summer Olympics. I'm a track runner by nature. It was out of all of the Wow, out of all of the sports that I think I attempted, track was probably the one that I was the most gifted in. I was more passionate about football because you get to hit people and not get in trouble, but I love track. And God bless my dad. My dad worked for 80, 90 hours at Ford Motor Company, did ministry after that, and never missed a football game. And he came to one track meet. I remember telling dad, you don't ever have to come back to another track meet. 
I mean, let's be real, for track people, nobody ever wants to sit through an entire track meet. Because at the time, I ran the 100 meter, uh, just a 100 meter race, and I, was, I thought I was a sprinter. I was a terrible sprinter, by the way. And I'm like, Dad, you're showing up for a four hour experience for which you're gonna watch me for like 10, 15 seconds. Yeah, 15 seconds, because I was that slow. Uh, <laughs> Usain Bolt, I am not. And so you don't have to come watch. And then when I, the next year went to distance running and I was one of the better distance runners on the team, he's like, do you want me to show up? I'm like, you wanna watch me run four times around the track uh, over five minutes? No, 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 go do what you gotta do. It's just never a big deal. But I loved running the mile, loved it. That was my favorite event to run. I think my fastest mile was 503 loved running the mile. I loved um, competing at distance running. But when you look at the Olympics and you actually look at the times for which they run, you don't ever really admit how fast you run the mile. Because the fastest mile, as of right now, the world record is four, excuse me, 3.43 minutes. But there's another event that's a mile long there in the Olympics, it's called the four by 400. And so the reason why they call it four by 400 is because each lap is 400 meters. And so they have a relay for which one person runs 400 meters, passes the baton to the next person. They run 400 meters. And so they end up doing the mile together. And so where one person can run the mile at a world record of 3.43 minutes, in the relay, they can run the mile in 2.54 almost one minute faster, the same race, the same distance. What does that tell me? That tells me that we can do things faster than me. We can do things better than me. The idea that fresh legs can go further, fresh legs can go faster, and there's an old Zimbabwe proverb that says, if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go further, go together. In the church world and the church life, this is not meant to be about a personality. God help us in the day and age of celebrity pastors that we have made church about one person, church about one personality, church about one figure in the church. Let's just say this, K-First will never be about Dave Berenger and can never be about Dave Berenger. Please somebody say amen. Church is about one name, but it is the name that's above every other name, the name that we sung about, the name that we talk about, the name that we proclaim, and the name that we will always proclaim. It is the one name by which people come to heaven, one by one name that people come and get saved. It is the only name that saves individuals. It is Jesus. But we've made church about one identity, one person, or even a few people. And God is calling us to do more together than we can ever accomplish as individuals. In fact, if you've been with me long enough, 12 years ago when I took this role as senior pastor, I told you something that I've repeated for 12 years, and it's this. The enemy works in isolation, God works in community. We can't do this thing by ourselves. We can, even when we talk about this idea of even a personal relationship with Jesus, believe me, I believe we all have a personal, we can have a personal relationship with Jesus, but that personal relationship with Jesus cannot, cannot, cannot be done apart from community. We need each other. We need each other. I mean, think about it this way. Airplanes themselves, the actual craft is made up of thousands of non-flying parts. 
Have you ever thought about that? That all of the parts of an airplane would never, they, they can't fly on their own. But you put those thousands of parts together and together that airplane can actually take off, fly, and carry. In fact, a Boeing 747, I was looking it up, a Boeing 747 put together can carry 482 tons of weight. That's 975,000, I did the math to my calculator, 975,000 pounds of weight. Do you see that apart, the plane can't do anything, but when you put that plane together, when that object comes together, something about that togetherness helps to move something ahead and something forward. That's what happens when the body of Christ comes together and decides that we together can do something. When we serve together, we can do something. When we operate together, we can move mountains. That when we work together, we can shift things within our county, within our city, within our community. There's something about when the body of Christ serves that we begin to see God move in deeper ways. The, the message itself is, is called, I am what I am. I am what I am. Sounds like Popeye. I am what I am. But when it comes to serving, it's not that a few people were called to serve. You could see it from Genesis all the way through Revelation. You could read all 66 books of the Bible. You're going to see something. Serving is not something you're supposed to do. Serving is who we are. We're servants and we're called to be servants. You wanna be a leader? I'm gonna challenge you to serve. You wanna change the world around you? I wanna challenge you to serve. You wanna impact somebody's life? I'm gonna challenge you to serve. Some of us are trying to become influencers in this world, but the greatest influencers are not, that, not, not the people that post the best on social media. It's not they've got the largest personalities. It's not they're a certain Enneagram type. To me, the greatest influencers are those people who choose to serve. Brings us to 1 Peter chapter 4. It's this portion that we read in verses 10 and 11 are part of a greater thing. They're part of a, a greater section of the scripture. Now, 1 Peter is, is a letter that was circulated amongst churches of an area called Asia Minor. That area we know as modern day Turkey. And I don't know about you, whenever I, I talk about Turkey, I think about Thanksgiving. You're welcome. But this letter was circulated amongst the churches in order to encourage them because they were going through a terrible time of persecution. People are losing their lives for having faith in Jesus Christ. People are under attack. Families are being split up. People are literally being persecuted and or killed for the name of Jesus. And so this letter is circulated throughout the area that we know as Turkey and it's helping them in the midst of their suffering. And so the section itself starts actually in chapter one, verse excuse me, chapter three, verse eight. And it begins to go all the way through 18 where it talks about the suffering of Christ, helping to encourage the church that you might be going through suffering, but know this, Jesus understands your suffering. And I love, I love when we get scriptures like that because there are times when we're going through our own pain and we're wondering if anybody ever understands what we're dealing with or what we're going through. I'm here to tell you that Jesus understands what you're going through. He understands your pain. He understands what it's like to have a hurting body, a hurting heart. He understands what it's like to have the emotions being taxed. He understands what it's like to have family turn the back on, on him as well as friends. He understands your pain. And then we get from verse 18, we go into verses 20, 20 through 21, where Peter seems like out of the blue starts talking about Noah. It's like a little scatterbrained, but he starts talking about the salvation in the, of, of, of us through Christ. And he gets into Noah talking about how Noah was delivered through the flood and he brings up baptism. 
Here's my, here's the pastor's way to, to monopolize on the moment. Hey, guess what we're doing in three weeks? We're baptizing. And if you've never been baptized and you've accepted Christ, you need to get baptized in a couple weeks. Well, Pastor Dave, I was sprinkled as a child. Okay, that's wonderful and that's great. But if you've accepted Christ in your life, have you had a New Testament baptism where you have gone underneath the waters and come back up? And it's not that they're holy water or special water. I'm just gonna tell you, it's just Kalamazoo Portage water, unfiltered. But you know what's special about it? It's not the water, it's the obedience. And when you go into obedience, it shifts your life forward. And I believe it changes you. I've watched people come out of that water, get filled with the Holy Spirit. I've watched people come out of the water and get healed. I've watched people out of the water saying, I don't feel much different, but you know what's different is? You're different because you follow the Lord in obedience. That's shifting your life together. And then we get to chapter four, verse seven. And so we've got all of these verses flowing together and these verses lead toward Peter writing some closing remarks. But Peter's just like any pastor who ever says, okay, I'm wrapping up the sermon. He starts wrapping up the letter and he still does a whole nother chapter after this. And so he starts leaving these closing comments and he starts saying things like, oh, let's see here. Uh, verse seven, the end of all things is at hand. Be self-controlled, sober-minded. Uh, verse eight, uh, above all, love one another earnestly. Uh, verse nine, show hospitality. So he's, he's giving these closing little bullet points. Don't forget this, don't forget this, don't forget that. And in the midst of these important things, he wants to be circulated amongst all of the churches. He says, don't forget to serve. I mean, think about that. These people are suffering for the gospel. They're going through massive persecution. All sorts of things are happening all around them in their governmental system. And he reminds them some of the most important things. Hey, man, watch your hearts, watch your spirits, love one another and don't stop serving one another. I love that. He emphasizes serving. And so what I wanna speak into you today, as we are shifting our church forward, I want to emphasize in our hearts that if we are gonna be a church that shifts forward, we've got to be a church that chooses to serve. We have to be a church that knows how to serve one another and how to serve the world around you. So if you're taking notes, if you are a one, two, three note taker, I'm gonna give you guys some things today. So write some of this stuff down. Uh, why, how does serving changes? Number one, right, this is so important. Serving increases our faith. Serving increases our faith. When you serve and you choosing to serve, when you choose to allow yourself to be used for ministry, it gives you a front row seat to lives being changed. I have sat in the front row twice in my life, once at a Michigan game, once at a Pistons game. And I'm telling you what, it will ruin every other seat you ever sit in for the rest of your life. You get very stuck up like, oh, I gotta sit in the 10th row now. Uh, no, front row. There's just something about being right where the action is happening. And when you serve, serving increases your faith. Why? Because it puts you at the front row. This is why Peter was writing, hey, don't forget to serve. Be on the front row of what God is doing. In fact, some of y'all need to read uh, the, the story of the wedding at Cana in John chapter two. Why is that so important? Because it is the first documented miracle in all of the gospels, the first documented miracle of Jesus. 
and I have preached on it so many times at weddings, I can't, can't even count because it's one of my favorite things to talk about at weddings. It's such a beautiful story because they're having a party. They're having, um, they're having the party after the wedding has taken place. And what happens is they feed the multitudes unending amounts of food and wine and people are partying for days on end. And one of the worst things you can do in that culture is you can run out of food or run out of wine because it spoke of a lack of love and hospitality for your community. But scripture says in John 2 that they ran out of wine. And so Mary, the mother of Jesus, is approached, uh, possibly a key figure, like, well, she was the Virgin Mary. Let me just tell you, in that day, nobody knew her as the Virgin Mary. Nobody, they just knew her as Mary. And so she must have been some family friend or some type of influence. They go to her and say, hey, we've got this problem. She goes, go talk to my son. And he's like, why are you talking to me about this? And so Jesus just gives them simple instructions and they go to the ceremonial jars, these ordinary jars full of water, and they start drawing out of it and they take it to the master of the feast and he drinks it and says, this is the finest wine that I've ever tasted. Why was this not brought out first? This is the best vintage of the day. Now we read that and we celebrate that. We're like, man, that was just a cool miracle. But can I, ask, can I ask you this? How many people at the wedding knew a miracle took place? Have you ever thought about that? The family in the most part, I don't think they knew. The people at the wedding, I don't think they knew. All they knew is they got something in their glass. Do you wanna know who knew about it? The servers. The person that went to Mary, that's it. The servers went to the, what they knew was ordinary and they dipped into what was ordinary and something about dipping into the ordinary and letting God speak into that and then carrying that did an extraordinary miracle. Something happens when we serve, miracles are there. And when miracles take place, God helps us to have our faith increases, increase because we see God's power right then and there. You see, what I love about that story is, is serving not only positions us to partner with God's power, it helps us to, be, to have our faith increased with God's power. I wanna say that all over again. Serving positions us to partner with God's power, but it also partners in order that our faith might grow and increase and to see more take place. Because anytime I've seen God move, I've wanted to see God do more. Because every time I've seen God move, I never thought to myself, God must be done now. It's only wet my appetite to say, God has more in store for us. Serving, when you serve, when you get involved, it's there to increase your faith so that you can partner in the power of God. Number two, serving helps us see and experience God's purposes. Serving helps us see and experience God's purposes. What does first Peter say? He says, all of the serving is done in order that in everything God may be glorified. It helps us to see and experience the purposes of God. What's the purpose of God? That God would be glorified. Not that Kay First would be lifted up or Dave Berenger be lifted up or pastoral staff be lifted up or the Assemblies of God denomination be lifted up. That's not the purpose. When we serve, when we get involved, when we allow God to use us in ministry, it helps us see and experience his purpose of him being glorified. I love what Ephesians 2 says. It says in verse 10, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in heaven in advance for us to do. 
you need to read through Ephesians. It's such a beautiful, powerful book. We covered it actually last fall. And as you're going through Ephesians, Paul doesn't leave this idea serving. He begins to talk about the body of Christ. He begins to talk about the gifts of the body of Christ. And as he talks about it, we get to chapter four, and this is what it says in the message paraphrase. We were all moving rhythmically and easily with one another, efficient and graceful in response to God's son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive in Christ. I love that. When we serve, we get to participate and experience God's purpose. And what it does, it gets us moving rhythmically with one another, efficient, graceful in response, fully mature, fully developed, within and without, alive like Christ. We get to be participators in God's presence. You see, when we are operating in our giftings to serve God and others, we experience the type of joy that God has created us to be. I've had this, over the past 12 years, an amazing relationship with the senior adults of K-First. I love my senior adults. They are my prayer partners every Thursday morning, excuse me, first Thursday of the month at 9.30, every first Thursday of the month, at 9.30, not 5.30, Jesus isn't even awake at 5.30. But at 9.30, we meet in the cafe and that's the pastor's prayer team. Always been open to everybody 60 and older, always. If you're you're 59, wait till your next birthday, sorry. And And the one rule is you ask them, I promise you, ask them the rule and they'll tell you the same rule, it's like Vegas. What happens at pastor's prayer stays at pastor's prayer, just like Vegas. So we get together, we pray. This next month, we're actually gonna go eat at Michelle's and have pastor's prayer breakfast together. So anybody over 60 is invited. If you're 59, wait till your next birthday. And one of my prayer team members went to be with Jesus a few years back. Her name was Joan Culp. I love, love, love Joan. And I, boy, there are very few funerals that I have wept at like I wept at Joan. I just love her. And I remember when... It was, uh, I can't remember how many years ago, it was just about maybe three or four years after we got here that she pulled me aside. She says, Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave. I love Joan. Pastor Dave, I'm just gonna tell you, I have, I'm gonna step back from teaching Sunday school after, I can't remember how many years Joan taught Sunday school. Joan had attended K first, I think around 60 years, 50 or 60 years. She's been here a long time. And she said, Pastor, I, I think I'm just done teaching. I think God has just kind of shut the door and I guess that's done. I'm done then. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, there's nothing else left for me to do. There's just, I mean, who wants somebody like me involved in ministry? I don't think I can do anything else. I'm like, well, Joan, I, I'm not letting you off like that. What about youth ministry? She goes, oh, Pastor Dave. I'm like, what? I, I said, I'm literally not kidding with you. I said, why, why not work in youth ministry? Why not do this? Why don't I do that? She goes, I just don't think there's anything I can do or a place where I can fit in. I just don't think that God can use me anymore. I remember her specifically saying that to me. I said, Joan, what about first impressions? She goes, what do you mean? I said, we need a smiling face at every single door. We need people to offer handshakes. We need people just to give a joyful response to anybody walking in the door because that's people's first experience with the presence of God. It's not when the pastor preaches or when the singers sing. It's when people get a smile and they get a warm greeting in the name of the Lord. And she goes, well, I think I can do that. I said, good, I'm signing you up anyways. And so signed her up for first impressions. And she it was normally, I think, here or here, one of, one of these two doors. And I, I didn't think much of it. She did a fantastic job. 
And then at her funeral, I saw a couple come in and I didn't realize they knew Joan all that well until I, I found out a story. And so I wrote Heather and Dan Dombas. I said, would you share with me the story that you shared? Because I asked them, how did you guys know Joan? And they shared with me something that they gave me permission to share today. For the past 20 years, Mother's Day has been a challenging time for me. My husband and I have struggled with pregnancy loss and infertility, and we had lost each of our three children before they were born. So we walked into K-First on a particular Mother's Day. I was uneasy and trying my hardest to avoid everyone. I didn't want anybody to ask that question. It makes me feel less than, it made me feel ashamed, and honestly, it made me wonder what I had done to make God punish me like this. So I was walking to my seat, this lovely older lady approached me. She extended her hand and asked, the, asked that question, are you a mother? I was shocked at my reaction as I stood there with my lip quivering and tears pouring down my face. After a few seconds, I managed to answer, I'm not sure. I explained that I had been pregnant three times and my husband and I loved each of those babies. So in that regard, yes, I feel like I am a mother, but I have no living children. And saying yes makes me dishonest because I, I never even got to hold them, much less be a mother to them. And she didn't let go of my hand. She didn't even break her gaze into my eyes. She leaned in and hugged me and whispered, my husband and I were never able to have children either. And yes, you are a mother. And I experienced so much freedom from her words. If this woman who knew the hurt that I carried could love God, be an elder in the church, and happily serve others, that I could do all of those things too. I could take off my shame and allow myself to love and to be fully loved by God fully. So when Joan Culp woke up that Mother's Day, I don't think she had any idea that she would change my life and her role on the First Impressions team. From that day until the day she went to heaven, she prayed for and encouraged us. We shared many dog mom stories and loved hearing how her sweet dog Heidi was doing. I always look forward to seeing her uh, beautiful smile and getting a hug from her on Sunday mornings. Pastor Dave, what can I do in the church? I don't ever want to hear a soul ever diminish obedience to Jesus Christ. It's just greeting at a door. Can I tell you, it's never just greeting at a door. Healing words flow from your life. Healing touch flows from your hands. A healing flow comes from that smile. Just your presence, even when you don't know what to say, it can sometimes be the presence of Jesus in the midst of chaos. When we serve, we get to see and experience God's purposes. And I am believing that there are more Joan Culp's in this church, that God wants to raise you up from being in neutral or being in park and to shift you forward to doing something magnificent for Jesus. See, at a glance, you may not believe that you are needed at a church. Well, pastor, it seems like lots of people are involved. Listen, don't ever say that you're not needed. Don't ever say that you're not wanted. Don't ever think, well, they've got that covered. Don't ever think, well, I'm just, I've taken COVID off and I've taken a step back. That's fine. A lot of people have done that, but let's not get ourselves set in a place of neutral or a place of park. Let's not pull the parking brake. Let's just choose to say, God, there may be one season of serving that has close but when God closes that season he begins a new season what does God want you to do next thirdly serving invites us into authentic community 
Serving invites us into authentic community. Peter says, as each has received the gift, use it to serve one another. Authentic community. I'm telling you what, some of the greatest relationships I've ever had in the church and in life and ministry are not from this type of interaction. It's when I've gotten a chance to serve with people. I've helped build homes with people. I've helped serve food with people. I've helped deliver food with people. I've, helped, I've done hospital visits with people. And I'm telling you what, some of the greatest relationships and friendships I have, again, are, they have not come from necessarily Sunday mornings. They came when we choose to serve side by side with somebody. Giving, excuse me, serving affects our community. I love the scripture in John chapter 17 where Jesus prayed over the disciples and in turn prayed over all of us when he says, let them be one, Father, as we are one. We've got this Trinitarian prayer that's taken place where Jesus says, we are one, Father. Spirit of God, we're one, but I want them to be just as one together. You wanna know how to be one with somebody? Serve with them. Serve with them. Serve with your spouse. Serve with your kids. I love it when parents serve with their kids at the back doors greeting, or parents serving with their kids doing ministry. Parents serving with their kids with the food pantry. I've watched parents with their kids praying over individuals. And one of my favorite things to do, greatest memories of my life, is taking my daughter on hospital visits. I used to do that for years when she was little because, I mean, listen, nobody wants to see me walk in the room like, oh, there's that grumpy guy that yells at us on Sunday morning. But to seeing the little, seeing a child, absolutely they smile. So I love taking Cammy when we go and we'd pray for people and we would talk a little bit and there's just something that bonded us together as father and daughter that I will, I will treasure for the rest of my life. Serving brings you together and gives you the sense of community. And number four and lastly, and I have to wrap up here, serving redirects our hearts and focuses our lives to Jesus. In order that in everything that God may be glorified, Peter says, through Jesus Christ. Serving redirects our hearts and focuses our lives to Jesus. One of the simplest ways to follow Jesus is actually to do the things that he did. You know what Jesus came to do? He came to serve. He came to serve. He came to wash feet. He came to sit in the dirt. He came to break bread. He came to be a listener. He came to the little children and he came to the adults. He came to serve. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus tells us, I came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. And I believe that you don't have to be perfect to serve, but I believe that God perfects us as we serve. As we take steps of faith, God grows us. He chooses to grow us through serving. Because when we serve, we get to know him. When we serve, we get to know him on a different level. Why? Because we get to have firsthand experience of doing the things that he does. One of the questions that I get throughout the entire year, I get it constantly. I got it as a youth pastor. I get it as a lead pastor. One of the biggest things I get is, I need to know God's will for my life. I wanna know what God wants to do in my life. I wanna know God's will. I wanna make sure that I'm not missing God's will. But my, my response is always the same. If you want to know what God is doing in your life, then just care about what God cares about. Some of us are looking for end game. If I can just, if God's called me to be a preacher, if I could just be a preacher, it's the end game. I'm telling you, it's not the end game. It's where things start. 
And so many of us are looking for locations instead of looking for vocation. The vocation is serving. And if you want to know what God's doing in your life, just care about what he cares about. Look into your workplace and care about who God wants you to care about. Look at your neighborhood. Look at your home. Look at your family. Look at your church. If you want to know what God's doing and what he's up to, just be about what he cares about because that's where your heart is going to go. And I can't think of a better way to diminish the, the significance of the issues around me and to get the focus off of me than to start focusing on other people and discovering the heart of God like I've never known it before. Serving, shifting you into a different heart and a different mindset and it allows Jesus to shine well pastor does the church need me of course they do pastor I've been hurt by churches before I've been burnt out listen you and me as well I remember when I first came to K first some of the set of meetings I had when I first showed up was talking with people and wanting them to pare back the amount of ministries that they were in why because burning out for Jesus does no glory for Jesus Christ But at the same time, not doing anything, I understand seasons of break and rest. But when that season is finished, it's time to enter in, it's time to start serving. Because believing the lie that the church doesn't need you robs you of the joys that God has for you. I'm gonna challenge you to take a risk and get involved. In fact, if you've got a smartphone, I want you to pull it out, go to kfirst.org slash next steps and look at the word team. When we talk about serving at K-First, we use the word team on purpose because we have a care team, we have worship team, we have prayer team, we have tech team, we have the first impressions team because we want the idea and the understanding that what we do is community. We want you to be a part of the community. And maybe the Spirit of God is stirring your heart. Maybe you're like Joan Culp and you're thinking to yourself, but what can I do? But what can I do? What can I do? I think it's my, of my personal opinion that everybody that calls K First Home should serve on the First Impressions um, team at least once every six months. If not once every two months, it's six times a year. Six times a year that you can stand at a door, because if you can smile, if you, if you can give a warm welcome, then you should be on the First Impressions team. If you can't do that, you should not be on the First Impressions team. Some of you need to find a different team. But the rest of you, you should serve once every couple months. You should find a place to plug in. There are babies. We don't do babysitting back here. We have babies that need to be more than held and changed. They need Jesus spoken over their life. They need prayers done over their life. They need people speaking prophetically over them. They need Jesus too. We have kids ministry that need teachers. You don't have to have a degree in it. You have to have a heart for it. Pastor Kevin needs leadership. Pastor Carissa with our youth needs leadership. We need prayer team members that have a heart for Jesus, that are ready to be trained, that can enter in and help speak Jesus in the midst of, of struggling moments. Man, well, Pastor, can I do that? I, my question is, can you just simply say yes to Jesus and let him work out all the details? It's time to serve, because that's who we are. I am what I am. If I'm a follower of Jesus, that means I am a servant. If you're a follower of Jesus, that means you're a servant. And it's time to join a team. There's nothing worse. Listen, I, 
The only injury I had in football might've been a splinter from the bench I was sitting on. And there's nothing worse than sitting there and just watching. And I don't know, I've shared this years ago. I remember it was in 10th grade. I was the fourth string running back on our JV team, fourth string. <laughs> That's how bad I was at it. And in the matter of 10 minutes, three running backs went down. And immediately Coach Gaz turns and goes, where's Barringer? Next to me was the largest guy on our team. His name was Jeremy Clark. And all I did was this, step behind him. And so Coach Gaz grabbed the next random guy through the minute and the guy got it, went in and got a touchdown. And I sat back, I'm like, what in the world moved me toward that? I look back, it was fear, it was insecurity and so much that was building up in me. But you know, in the body of Christ, stop hiding. It's time to step up. We need Joan Culp's because you never know the opportunity and the miracle that God can do in and through you by just you simply saying, yes. Let me pray for you today. Lord, I thank you for the day you've given us, the opportunity to say yes to you. And Lord, today, as we just talk about serving and we talk about just being involved in something, God, I know for some people, it can bring up some pain. It can bring up some hurt of being overused and sometimes even abused in church structures. And so spirit of God, I pray that right now that the healing salve of Jesus Christ would just flow into hearts, minds, emotions. I pray that you would absolutely transform and bring healing and restoration to hearts. Healing and restoration to hearts. Spirit of God, bring healing. And Lord, at the same time, Lord, I pray that you would just let there be a resurgence of the recognition that we're not here to take up space, but we're here to serve. And so Lord, I pray that Holy Spirit, that you would just begin to breathe life, direction, hope. Lord, that they would take the opportunity to simply say yes to you and to find a place to serve within the body to be able to minister to everybody that walks through those doors because there's still another Heather and Dan. There's still another individual that's hurting, another individual that's broken. There's still individuals that walk through that don't know you, God. And Lord, it is our opportunity, God, not to stand from far off and just pray for them, but it's our opportunity to be hands-on and to serve them. So Lord, help us to step forward, to get involved and to simply serve. I speak your presence, your power over one and all. I speak it all in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for uh, just taking the time to, to soak in God's presence and being challenged to serve. And again, I'm gonna ask that if you are uh, an attender of KFIRST, go to right now, kfirst.org slash next steps and go to teams, click on teams and just fill that thing out real quick. It gives us a chance to do some follow-up with you and to help you find a place. You may say, I don't know where to serve. We'll help you find a place. Well, I don't know if I have the training. We'll help you get trained but we're here to help you take your next step.